Today we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 11. And just uh, maybe something else that you guys can keep in prayer. Um, you know, I have a feeling that we're not going to be out here much longer. I have a feeling that we're not going to be wearing masks much longer because um, it's just, you know, the Lord, He has His hand on us. And I know that, you know, these masks, they just feel so unnatural and there's something about it um, is not right. And again, most of us, I think, probably are convinced of the fact that they don't really do any good anyways, you know, um, probably bad. But we're trying to be a witness. Or we're trying to kind of work our way through this. Um, you know, every once in a while, we start thinking we're over everything. And then I just got a, a message yesterday from uh, someone who I used to do ministry with, a younger guy, and his sister uh, died of the virus. And so, you know, uh, it's happening. Um, and so as a pastor, you're like, okay, I, I want to just maybe wait a little longer. And... Uh, and then, you know, we'll get back in the building and uh, and things like that. But in the meantime, like I mentioned to you, uh, we're kind of redoing the sanctuary. Um, and so hopefully it works out. Uh, we've had that carpet and those chairs, I think, for pretty much 18 years. You guys have been so uh, gracious with us. And so, Lord willing, we're going to take advantage of this time and we'll redo that. Um and hopefully it'll look nice. We'll add some other touches and stuff. And so keep it in prayer. But um, in the meantime, it's kind of nice. I thought about tonight we should have ordered pizza, huh, for afterwards. Um, or some healthy food. So maybe next week, especially with the kids, man. I was just thinking about Elijah and Amarice back there and some of the other kids that are here. Um, ice cream at least, huh? Something for you guys. And so... Uh, but, you know, it's a blessing to be able to study God's Word together. Uh, Proverbs, uh, it's the skill of living life successfully. And here in Proverbs 11, uh, it's been tough for me because I, I'm the type of guy that I don't really like to skip things. So pray for me as I go through the Proverbs, you know, because every sermon, every sentence is a sermon. And that's why it gets tough. But um, the Lord will guide us. I know He will show us how far to go each time we get together. But here in Proverbs 11, notice what we read in verse 12. It says, He who is devoid of wisdom despises his neighbor, but a man of understanding holds his peace. And so what we see here is the one who lacks wisdom basically looks down on other people. Uh, for whatever reason, and there are some people out there, and I trip out on, sometimes I actually meet people who actually think they're better than other people. For whatever reason, they're really convinced of that in their own mind. You know, here is this individual, devoid of wisdom, despising, looking down on his neighbor. But, he says, the wise person, they realize that every individual has infinite value because they're created in the image of God. Therefore, he loves them and he redeemed them. And so that individual doesn't look down on others. When you actually get a heart of wisdom, you esteem everyone because you just know no matter who they are, no matter who they are, and you can think of all these people that you hate maybe in this world, no matter who they are, especially your neighbors, you know, God loves them. And so it says right here that you, because of that, a man of understanding, a woman of understanding, they hold their peace. And that might mean that they, they hold their tongue, that they don't say something dumb, right? 
Uh, the NLT says a person with good sense remains silent. But I think holding our peace is probably even bigger than that. Because you can really mess up relationships because of the fact that you say something you shouldn't have said and you just lack wisdom. Don't shoot from the hip. Make sure every word you speak is approved by God. And then verse 13, it says that a talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. The NIV calls a talebearer a gossip. And so what we find here is that some people, they cannot keep a secret. And I wonder why. I think that some people, they're just wired that way, huh? They just can't hold it in, man. You know, but on the flip side, it's really cool when your secret is safe with certain peoples. You know, you can trust them. You can confide in them. Things that really shouldn't be shared with others. And it's so cool when you have a friend or brother or sister or person and you tell them something and you just know it's safe with them. They will not tell anyone. But once a person blows it in that area, when they start telling people they shouldn't tell, then it's almost like, how can I ever share anything with that person? Again, it gets really, really tough. And so if someone says, hey, you know, this is confidential, please honor that. You know, we see a lot of this in the ministry. There's a lot of things that I can't tell others. You know, someone will confide in me. Heavy things. And, you know, we see that a lot. And so um, I pray we would have that heart. Verse 14 says, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. The Hebrew word translated counsel here is actually a nautical term. And so that's uh, when you're sailing, when you're out there on the ocean. This word is used as steering a ship. And so a, a wise person, what we see right here, is open to the opinions and counsel of others. Because without that counsel... It says right here, the people fall. And so imagine yourself, you know, you're out there in the ocean. The ocean's big, 140 million miles, uh, uh, square miles, huge. 70% of our planet is covered in ocean. And so, man, how do you navigate through this life? How do you navigate through such oceans? Um, and the answer is you need, you need that compass. You need that counsel. You need Christ, right? Because otherwise we don't have a clue. And so you really, it's important to get good counselors, good friends, biblical, you know, brothers. I was looking up our president's uh, cabinet and I have a list right here. And it's kind of cool because you can pray for all these people. Uh, he has over 300 in his cabinet that work in the White House. And uh, every single one of them, I'm sure, is is brilliant, is strong, because you have to be in positions like that. But, um, you know, praise God for those counselors. Praise God for those people in those places in that position, right? And so without it, uh, other translations like the NIV, the NLT, it says the nation falls. Because right here in the King James, it says the people fall. And it's plural, and it's talking actually about a nation. Of course, we know this was written by a king. And so any leader... 
any leader, any person, they really need that counsel. You know, I thank God for uh, so many people in my life, beginning with my wife. I, I you know, she'll share things with me that are sometimes tough. Um, I even bounce things off my children, believe it or not. I, I really do because I can tell them anything, right? You know how it is with your kids. You can talk to them about anything. Hey, what do you think about this, you know? And uh, that I think they both have good counsel. Um, I have uh, spoken with my pastor, Raul Reese. I've gotten counsel. Um, not that I know these guys like, you know, best friends, but seriously, in situations, uh, there's a, a, a word that David Rosales shared with me. He's a pastor at Calvary Chapel, Chino Valley, that if it weren't for that word of counsel that he gave me, there'd be many things different in this church because of my inclination to do things a certain way. And his advice, which I have been just submitting to because I believe he has a lot of wisdom. I believe he's very experienced. I've uh, gone to pastor's conferences and talked with Damian Kyle, with Jeff Johnson. These are guys that have been around for many years. Uh, I am blessed to be able to call Pastor Xavier and others, and of course the pastors here at the church. And, you know, you never want to make those decisions without, you know, talking to people and getting that counsel. You know, Proverbs 18.1, it says, A man who isolates himself seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgment. And so uh, we really need that, um, that counsel. Verse 15, it says, He who is surety for a stranger will suffer, but one who hates being surety is secure. Now, you're going to hear a lot in the Proverbs about being uh, financially wise. And so finances are a big part of our life, you guys. If we don't yield that to the Lord, if we're bad stewards, man, it's going to really make an impact on our life. And a lot of times it creates worries and stress. And next thing you know, if we're not careful and we're sloppy with that, then it even impacts our, our walk. And so, you know, prayerfully we, we get this right. Um, credit, generally speaking, I mean, other than a house, maybe in a car, credit is usually bad. Co-signing is terrible. Um, here, the suffering is stated when you co-sign for a stranger, someone that you don't really know. And so, uh, you know, I don't know how you guys feel. I need to say this basically in the world that we live in. That there may, I'm just saying may, <laughs> there may be a time when you help your children out or someone very, very close, but I would say, generally speaking, probably not, man, because uh, there are so, the only reason I say that is because there are so many warnings in the Proverbs. And so maybe you teach your, your child to save up. You teach your, your son, your daughter to get a used car to begin. Something like that, you know. But again, he says, he's talking about a stranger here. And so co-signing, be really careful with that. Uh, verse 16, it says, A gracious woman retains honor, but ruthless men retain riches. And so uh, you guys know this high. Uh, you can't go wrong. I, I think um, when, if you're known to be a person of love and grace, uh, God is so gracious to us. And I think that he expects us to extend that 
same grace to others. We even read it here for, for the woman, a gracious woman, that it's honorable, that it's honorable. We read the contrast as well, that, that ruthless men retain riches. And so the Hebrew word right here, translated ruthless, it speaks of being violent and oppressive towards people. Um, and when you're like that, he says, then you're able to, you know, maybe build a fortune, amass uh, some treasury. And so, you know, looking at this, verse 16, and even the verse prior to it, maybe the grace is in the context of forgiving money that's owed to you. That person owes you money. Should you should, should take them to court? Should you squeeze it out of them? Uh, sometimes you get some people who are like that, the letter of the law. Um, I think right here, when you kind of put it all together, I, I think there's a situation where you kind of forgive. I know for us as a church, things have happened, and uh, I've seen it even in my life, where people owe you money, and, and you want to press them on it, and if you want to let it ruin your relationship, you can if you want to. But uh, when you just give it to God, He blesses you. He provides for you. Uh, I've been, it's kind of cool, getting together. Uh, I've been seeing a lot of young adults on, on Friday nights in different places, man. And talking to these young guys, I've been telling them, hey, I know it's hard in the world that we live in, you know, the financial aspect of it. But you can make it if you keep the Lord first. You know, you can support a wife. You can support a family. You can have a home, not a room, a home. God will bless you if you seek Him. And so what we find in looking at this, that, that, that God says, hey, even in the context of finances, be uh, forgiving. I can't say necessarily in every situation, but I know that God will guide and uh, we don't have to be ruthless in these things, right? And notice in verse 17, it says, The merciful man does good for his own soul, but he who is cruel troubles his own flesh. And so one translation says, Your own soul is nourished when you are kind, but you destroy yourself when you are cruel. And, and why is that? Like if you're a mean person, you're a mean, why is that bad for you? And the reason is, I think, because uh, partially because of the way you feel about yourself. You're like, man, this is not right. I'm being immoral. I'm 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 not straight up. I'm I'm not being kind. You 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 can't help but escape the way you feel about yourself when you're living that type of life, and your self-image is low because you know you're not kind. That's one reason you do bad to yourself. Another way I think that we do bad to ourselves in that way is that principle that the way we deal with others, it will be measured back to us. God will deal with you the way you deal with others, and others will deal with you the way you deal with them. If you show them grace, if you show them kindness, if you show them love, if you show them mercy, you know, many times, most of the time, they'll reciprocate that. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 7, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. You know, if we're not merciful to others, how can we expect God to be merciful to us? 
Remember the parable Jesus told in Matthew 18, 33 through 35, how someone uh, owed the king this enormous amount of debt, and the, you know he went to the king and justice. If it would have been served, he'd be thrown into prison, his family as well, until they paid back every penny. But the king uh, forgave him, the master forgave him. And uh, and then he went out, remember, and he found somebody who owed him just a few dollars, and he, he took the letter of the law, grabbed him by the collar, and you know took him to court. There's a lot of people like that. None of us, none of us should have any unforgiveness in our heart. Why? Because of the way that God has forgiven us. We got we got to have that. You know, the the merciful man, he does good for his soul. But if not, you're going to feel it. And it says, interesting what he says right here. Did you guys notice? It says, but he who is cruel troubles his own flesh. Now, Pastor Chuck, he said this, you hurt yourself with hatred and unforgiving spirits. That bitterness just eats you up inside. You know, a lot of times, you guys know this, huh? You're all mad at them. You're all bitter towards them. And they're fine, <laughs> You're the one that's uh, suffering as a result of it by hanging on to it. He went on to say, it's interesting that they're beginning now to relate more and more the attitudes that you have with certain physical kind of maladies. They're finding that there's quite a relationship between extreme bitterness that a person carries and ulcers. How that our bodies and the glands, how they produce these chemicals, these hormones that are destructive. He said, there's a proverb, and we'll get to it later, a merry heart doeth good like medicine. And we know that to be happy is helpful for a person. It helps you digest your food, and, you know, um, it's just good for you. You know, those attitudes that are, that, are, that are happy. But if you're angry and bitter, and you're eating the food, it just kind of sort of curdles in your stomach, and it churns, and then those bad chemicals are being mixed. And they have that type of side effect. You know, I, I know that we can't all control our health. You know, some things are out of our hands. But some things are. You know, and whatever it takes, I encourage you, you know, to take care of yourself. And make sure that you don't harbor any of that hatred, any of that cruelty, any of that bitterness. Because... The way that we're wired, body, soul, and spirit, it's trichotomy, uh, it affects your body, can affect your soul, can affect your, your spirit. And so you want to take care of yourself and make sure that you don't have any unforgiveness. Uh, uh, the, the kind of person spoken of here is a person where it says merciful is a person of steadfast love. And so that's got to be our goal. Verse 18, it says, The wicked man does deceptive work, but he who sows righteousness will have a sure reward. And so, you know, I mean, most, most, more than likely, you guys coming on a Thursday night, you have a heart to be right with God. But just in case, you know, you're here, or maybe you're watching on live stream, uh, I, if that's not your heart, then man, I pray that that would be your heart. No uh, hidden sin. Nothing in your heart that's dirty or doesn't belong. 
we as Christians should be in right relationship with God. And you're going to see it throughout the Proverbs, the contrast between the wicked and, and the righteous. The wicked man, he does deceptive work. And I was thinking about all the wicked works that take place on the planet. Huh? You guys know this? I tend to be a gullible person, but as time progresses, I'm seeing it even more and more. How much deception goes on in the world that we live in. I mean, you know, I don't know. I could probably uh, list a million things. But is it possible that China sent the virus our way to cripple or kill our economy and to take down Trump? Some might say, oh, no. I think it's possible. You know, um, what we see is that these deceptive works, these wicked works, they're, they're real. You know, we're learning in, in this you know, world of today that the mainstream media, uh, they don't believe their responsibility is to report the news from a non-biased perspective. Uh, they don't believe that their responsibility is just to give the truth. They want to shape our world with an antichrist agenda. I mean, it's obvious, huh? You guys look at this. Every single story on some of these channels is anti-Trump. And it's like, wait a minute. Why, why, why aren't you telling like other things? Why aren't you giving both sides? Why aren't we hearing about the churches that are being burnt down? Why aren't we hearing about these uh, police officers that are committing suicide? I was talking to a, a captain of a local police agency, and he was so heavy-hearted because of this, because, you know, that these suicides that are taking place, the stress that these guys who, uh, who protect us, they're experiencing in this world that says defund the police. I mean, how crazy, how ludicrous that is, right? We need to defend the police. You know, it's obvious that the mainstream media has a very liberal, democratic, socialistic, and even Marxist agenda. We see it so clearly. And I think that a, a reason for that, the reason for that is because the Lord is coming, because he's uh, lifting up his shield of protection in so many ways, and because it's a form of, of judgment. So, you know, what's going to happen? Well, either the church is going to, you know, somehow be instrumental in a revival. And we have to make sure that we fight with spiritual weapons. I mean, a lot of people are very, very political. Nothing wrong with that. But are you praying as much as you're politicizing? Are you evangelizing? Are you sharing Jesus? Um, are you being obedient? Are you serving so my prayer is that God would turn our nation around. I love our nation. But if not, he's going to rapture us out, huh? But what we see is that in the world that we live in, wicked men, they're wicked men, and they are so deceptive. You can, I mean, you can tell when they're lying every time their lips are moving, you know? <laughs> That's how you know um, what's going on. But we're living in that, in that world, these days of deception. How do we respond? I think it's cool what we read right here in verse 18. The wicked man does deceptive work, but he who sows righteousness will have a sure reward. 
How do we respond? Just keep sowing righteousness. Keep loving. Keep praying. Keep evangelizing. Uh, keep uh, serving. You know, uh, one of the things that's so cool is that I know we want to harvest. We all want to harvest. But remember, a harvest can't happen without the sowing, without the watering. And then there's a harvest. And so prayerfully, we're doing that. Um, Galatians 6, 7, and 8, it says, God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he sows to his flesh, will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit, will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And so keep on sowing. A lot of times we uh, maybe get discouraged because we don't see the results immediately. But if you're sowing good seed, God will reward you here and there. Verse 19 says, As righteousness leads to life, so he who pursues evil pursues it to his own death. And so, you know, when you look at this verse, it's pretty simple. Um, will I pursue life? Uh, will I pursue love? Will I pursue the Lord? Or will I pursue evil, which would lead to death? And I think that in one sense, every single day, we have to make that choice. You know, for me, you know, you have to come to that place in your life where you've died. You're done. It's not about your agenda. It's not about your will. I don't know how much time I have left, but whatever time, whatever days, whatever minutes, whatever moments, it all belongs to Jesus. And so you don't do anything. We don't do nothing apart from what he leads us to do. And so we're choosing life. We're always choosing life. We're always choosing righteousness. You know, Moses said in Deuteronomy 30, verse 19, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. And so Moses, obviously, he just said, hey, I'm, my hands are clean. I, I, I'm, I've told you the truth, and heaven and earth, they are where my witnesses, that I've given you that message, and I've told you to choose life or death. Because when you choose life, it's a blessing for you. It's a blessing, obviously, for your children. And so someone might say, well, what do you mean choose life? I mean choose Jesus. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? It starts there. You choose Jesus. You, you bow that knee before him in those, lip, those lips. You confess from the heart that he is Lord. And then you follow him and you pursue him. Notice again in verse 19, as righteousness leads to life, so he who pursues evil pursues it to his own death. You see, there's a pursuit going on. If you pursue someone, what is that? What, what does a pursuit really mean? Well, it means that you follow them in order to catch them. And so when we're pursuing Jesus, what we're trying to do is catch him. And you're like, well, why do you want to catch him, Manny? Uh, different things. Maybe I want to give him a hug <laughs> as I tell him I love him. But to really catch him, I think what it has to do primarily with is I want to be like him. Now, of course, we're not going to arrive 
completely on this side of time, but um, we can kind of be more like him every single day. And so that becomes our pursuit. He is our goal. You know, I remember this one song uh, by Passion Worship Band. It's called One Pure and Holy Passion. It's a great song. And it says, give me one pure and holy passion. And give me one magnificent obsession. And give me one glorious ambition for my life to know and follow hard after you. And that should be our life. And you're like, well, Manny, well, what about this? And I want a, you know, a girlfriend. I want a boyfriend. I want a car. I want a house. I want whatever it is. You fill in the blank. You'll find it when you're seeking Jesus. He has to be number one in your life. Everybody has a master passion. Everyone does. What excites you? What gets you out of bed in the morning? What is your driving passion? It must be your pursuit, must be not evil. Your pursuit, our pursuit must be Him and only Him. Verse 20, it says, Those who are of a perverse heart are an abomination to the Lord, but the blameless in their ways are His delight. And so the perverse heart is twisted with that, you know, inclination constant for evil. You know, our heart is already fallen. Jeremiah 17, 9, it talks about that. Our hearts, everyone's heart, there's the depravity of man. It's already there. But some fall harder. Some have developed a hardened heart because they've resisted God's spirit. They've resisted God's love and his light. These are hearts that have fallen deep into darkness. And so those who have a perverse heart, it says right here, are an abomination to the Lord. And so, you know, what we find this word 19 times in the book of Proverbs is whenever you get anywhere near that word abomination to God, believe me, that's something that you want to run away from. And so, you know, we got to check our hearts. I don't know how you guys are physically. I don't know how your heart is physically. But I'll bet you if you could find out the condition of your heart physically, you would. You know, um, we want to take care of it. But how's your heart spiritually? Is it clean? Is it right? You know, I pray that none of us has that twisted, perverse heart where sometimes, a lot of times, even in the church, it's a sexual sin. They take things that are so good. That's perversity and they make it bad. To me, the greatest good is things of the Lord. And sometimes people will take the things of the Lord and make them bad. Sometimes people will take things of the Lord and they get so legalistic and they become a Pharisee and it makes God want to vomit. We have to be so careful. That's another perversity in our heart. But he says right here, the blameless, um, the blameless in their ways are his delight. Then Alti says he delights in those who have integrity. You know, and it's crazy because sometimes you, you think you know a person and you, then you discover that you really didn't know them. I mean, I've found some guys in my life, they were the most respectful person. They would call me pastor every, every time they saw me. And they ended up being just way out there. You know, the, the blameless, this person's real. They love the Lord. You know, they love you. It's a blameless person. 
know, it doesn't mean they're perfect, but, you know, they just have that heart because God has done a work. Acts 13.22, they have a heart after God's own heart. You know, you guys hear me say this a lot, huh? That we can't be perfect, but we should be proper. There's a passage in Romans 13.13. It says, let us walk properly. And so prayerfully, we have that blameless, proper heart. Verse 21 says, though they join forces, the wicked will not go unpunished, but the posterity of the righteous will be delivered. And so basically, even if the whole wide world teamed up, they will not be able to escape the judgment of God. You know, lately I've been going through the book of Isaiah and my devotions, and then I always listen to Pastor Chuck uh, teaching on it. And it's just so awesome, you know, but we got to know the whole wide world is going to get judged. I mean, we hate it. We go crazy with these things that are happening. Uh, we fight it tooth and nail, but... Um, you know, it's frustrating sometimes. It helps to know, though, that one day God will judge all that wickedness. You know, the, the, it's interesting. It says right here, but the posterity of the righteous will be delivered. A posterity is in reference to future generations or family, right? And so, um, you know, even though we can't choose for our children. The best thing we can do to deliver them from that judgment is to live a life of righteousness. And I would encourage you, because we're talking about our family, we're talking about those people that surround us, right? Maybe those people that you work with or whatever, we're trying to pass a baton on to them. I will say this, that it's good to preach, good to preach it, but it's even better to live it. It really is. And so the Holy Spirit will tell you when to speak and when just to, to prove that you're a Christian. Verse 22, it says, As a ring of gold in a swine's snout, so is a lovely woman who lacks discretion. And so, uh, you guys, this is a, a weird one, huh? <laughs> you know, you see a, a, a swine and it has a, a ring of gold and it's, in its nose, and I think they said that in those days they would actually wear these rings and they would actually have a gold chain on it as well. So it's definitely an ugly visual. But here we see as a woman that's beautiful, but she's not wise. She lacks discretion. And usually when I study, I study all the different translations, and you know, 99 times out of 100, there's a variance in the translations. But in this one, there wasn't. All the translation used that word discretion, a woman who lacks discretion. So that's when you can look it up in the English. And the English, it says that it's the quality of behaving or speaking in such a way as to avoid causing offense or revealing private information. And so some people, and it's not just girls, it can be guys too, they just lack that discernment they lack that wisdom they lack that discretion and they they say things and do things and offend when they shouldn't now i'm not saying that you can never offend people because uh we usually do when we're sharing the gospel and we're teaching the bible but i think there are those times where maybe it was us and not the lord so you got this gal and she's beautiful but she doesn't have that discretion. It's not a pleasant sight and it's not a pleasant sound. 
And so, um, guys, um, when you're looking at a girl, look beyond the surface. Of course, gals need to do the same. But what we find a lot of times is that, you know, guys might look at a girl and they say, well, she's so beautiful. But um, there's a lot more to it than that, isn't there? And so, ladies, um, I would say a good verse to just ponder on is 1 Peter 3, 3 through 4, where it says, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. You know, it's so cool when the ladies, they catch that vision. Nothing wrong with taking care of your hair. Nothing wrong with being pretty on the outside. But the priority has to be the beauty on the inside. You know, I've always get blessed by that story in Exodus 38, verse 8. Remember when they were building the tabernacle? And Moses, you know, the cool thing about Moses, he didn't ask for money all the time. But, you know, there were a couple of times where he said, Hey, if you guys want the opportunity to give, here's your opportunity to give. We're going to build a tabernacle. And what these ladies did, according to Exodus 38, 8, is they took their bronze mirrors. That was their mirror. Uh, they took it and they gave it to God. And so imagine, ladies, if you didn't have a mirror, or guys, some of you guys here, some of us here, we maybe look in the mirror a lot. Imagine if you said, you know what, I'm not going to be worried too much about the way I look on the outside, because the Lord has moved me, you know, to give this to God. The ladies gave up their mirrors for their master. Matthew Henry said this, in all ages of the church, there have been some persons more devoted to God, more constant in their attendance upon his ordinances, and more willing to part even with lawful things for his sake than others. Some women devoted to God and zealous for the tabernacle worship expressed zeal by parting with their mirrors, which were polished plates of brass before the invention of looking glasses. These served the same purposes. And with that brass mirror, um, Moses built the brass altar. And so uh, let me share with you one, uh, uh, some of the lyrics from a song I, I usually listen to you know, when I work out. Um, and I don't know how this is going to go, but I'm going to try to rap right here. Actually, I'm not. I'm just going to read it, okay? <laughs> But listen to what it says. It says, got her hair done, toes, nails. Is that her? Well, it's hard to tell because she's so caked up and all that makeup. It's like she's trying to make up for what she ain't. But she's a saint, but so confused because she's been rejected by all these dudes that tell her on a scale of 10 she's a 2, but that ain't true. If she only knew in Christ she is loved, she's secure and accepted, never be rejected by God who's elected her. Her beauty is her godliness, and she ain't got to flaunt it because it's obvious. Identity is found in the God we trust. Any other identity will self-destruct. And I like that song because it says, girls, um, your identity is not in your looks. You know, it's okay. Like I said earlier, let's all take care of ourselves. But that's not to be our priority. You know, you wake up in the morning, you spend hours with God, a little bit of time for the mirror, and then you go out and you start your day. 
Verse 23, it says, The desire of the righteous is only good, but the expectation of the wicked is wrath. And so basically what he's saying is that when we're right with God, our desires will line up with his desires and he will grant us the desires of our heart. But when someone is not right with God, then as the NIV puts it, the hope of the wicked ends only in wrath. Verse 24 it says, There is one who scatters yet increases more, and there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. And so basically what we find, and you guys, uh, hopefully you've learned this principle. If not, you know, catch it now. That generosity in the Lord leads to prosperity. Jesus said that in Luke 6, verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Verse 26 says that people will curse him who withholds grain, but blessing will be on the head of him who sells it. And so, uh, believe it or not, there were some people in those days, they would be hoarders. It's kind of like when this whole virus thing started and people had 27 cases of toilet paper in their garage. Other people were suffering. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> You know, but um, what he's saying is that, hey, it's cool when people uh, share. And so uh, Joseph actually sold grain, and that's a good example of that, right? Verse 27 says, He who earnestly seeks good finds favor, but trouble will come to him who seeks evil. And I like that verse right there. He earnestly seeks good, that there's a sincerity in this individual they're, they're not in this for what they can get. There's not a hidden agenda. They just love the Lord. Verse 28, it says, He who trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will flourish like foliage. And so the righteous, they're so fruitful. It's so cool when you read this. But the individual who trusts in his riches, they end up falling. And so I had an article I wanted to read to you guys on how we all, we got, I even have a penny in my pocket. I didn't have any cash. We don't have cash nowadays, huh? You guys got the mark, huh? Anyways, um, I don't know what I did with it, but it's, so, it's a trip on our money and God we trust and the history of how, how it got there. Prayerfully, that's true. Verse uh, uh, 29, He who troubles his own house will inherit the wind and the fool will be servant to the wise of heart. And so here we see an individual troubling their own family members. It means right here that such a person will be disinherited from the estate. Uh, he'll only receive the wind or, or nothing at all. And so uh, rather than being wealthy and having servants, uh, a f such a fool becomes a servant. Verse 30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. And so... Um, Again, we talked about this verse many times, how we want to have eyes to evangelize. Daniel chapter 12, verse 3 is a great cross-reference for that, that those who turn many to righteousness, they will shine like the stars. Verse 31, it says that the righteous will be recompensed on the earth, how much more the ungodly and the sinner. And so judgment begins in the house of the Lord, and so the righteous will be recompensed. But it doesn't end there. Like I talked about earlier, the, the world, they're going to experience that. 
And so, uh, hey, that's it. That's the end of the chapter, huh? <laughs> Let me give you guys some real quick one-liners. Just to kind of, I was thinking, Lord, as we go through the Proverbs, I want to make sure, I, w I mean, we try to do everything we can to make sure that people walk away blessed. And so I'm just going to summarize every single verse. And so you can just kind of listen and then um, take it in. In verse 12, we learn not to look down on anyone, but to hold your peace. In verse 13, we learn not to gossip, but to be able to keep a secret. In verse 14, we learn to be open to good and godly counsel. In verse 15, we learn it's almost always not good to cosign. In verse 16, we learn to be gracious, not ruthless. In verse 17, we learn to be cruel. I mean, merciful, not cruel. <laughs> And in verse 18, don't work wickedness, but sow righteousness. In verse 19, pursue righteousness. Pursue the Lord, not evil. Verse 20, be blameless, not perverse, in your heart. Verse 21, all the wicked will be judged, but righteousness delivers our family. Verse 22, let the beauty be primarily within. Verse 23, be righteous, not wicked. The end is much better. Verse 24 and 25, generosity determines prosperity. Verse 26, uh, sharing is caring, hoarding is hating. Verse 27, earnestly seek good. Earnestly seek God. Verse 28, don't trust in riches, trust in God. Verse 29, be wise with your family. Verse 30, be righteous and fruitful. And then verse 31, judgment begins in the house of the Lord, but it doesn't end there. And so I just pray that you guys, um, that we are, that during this whole crazy world that we live in, I know God wouldn't allow this strange things to happen if there weren't some great purposes involved. So question, are you drawing near? Are you surrendering? Are you completely committed? You know, I pray that if not, that Right, even right here tonight in the dark light right here man as the sun has set um, thank God for these lights that Rich bought um, that we would all just completely surrender our lives to Jesus Christ